Welcome to episode eight of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. As always, joined by Josh Erickson and Matt Sheridan. And we've got a very special guest this week. Nick Kowalski is joining us, another writer from the Last Word on Sports Network. Nick, how are you doing? What have you been up to lately? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm sure the same as you guys for what I'm up to. I've just been watching a lot of hockey. Uh, even the other sports going on right now, it's just seems like nonstop action right now. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride so far. Yeah, it definitely has been. Josh, uh, what about what about you? What have you been doing for the last couple of weeks? Or yeah, well, I mean, actually, couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this week it's been less the actual hockey and what's been going on outside of the sport for me uh, with all the trade rumors and free agent shenanigans and retirements and everything like that. It's just been a nasty week for anybody who's trying to keep up with news. Matt, I can see you're up in your cottage this week. Uh, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Yeah, just relaxing by the lake. It's been fun going out on the boat and everything. And like Josh said, trying to keep up with all the rumors and stuff that's going on. But it sucks. It's uh, one more week till university starts and then the grind's back on. Yeah, and we're all definitely at that uh, grinded out part of uh, you know, the school year's coming along. So uh, got to get ready to grind and back to work. So uh, – with that said, I want to start breaking down our the first thing we've got on our list is Jake Allen was traded from the St. Louis Blues to the Montreal Canadiens uh, in exchange. The Blues received a third and seventh round draft selection. Uh, so now looking at things in Montreal, it appears they've got one of the best goalie tandems in the NHL, if not the best. Uh, so, Matt, I want to start with you, you on this one. What do you think about uh, Jake Allen joining the Montreal Canadiens? So I like I like the trade for both sides. Um with St. Looking at St. Louis, although they did lose a very solid goaltender, they they got some draft picks back and it helped them clear over $4 million in cap space to hopefully re-sign Petrangelo. I think at the end of the day, most St. Louis fans would rather keep Petrangelo than uh, Allen. And then I also like it from the Montreal side because it allows them to give Price some rest. I think he's played over 70 games the past few seasons. And at the end of the day, I don't think Montreal at the end of the season, Montreal has been subpar just because of how much prices work throughout the season. If you can put Allen in net for 30 to 40 games, that would definitely help price down the stretch, keep them rested. And I think you could compare it to hopefully what they have in Boston with Halak and Rask. Both goalies are well rested and they proved that um, how they made the run to the cup final last year. So I think if you can rest price and keep both of their goalies fresh, then it'll definitely help Montreal down the stretch and, to, and into the playoffs. Um, my first reaction was actually a little bit surprised, to be honest. I, like when you think of Montreal, you kind of think as Carey Price is that workhorse. But I guess the more you think about it, the more it does make sense for the Habs. Um, and I, I really do like this move for the Blues too, especially with yeah, they're they're with uh, Petrangelo and Vince Dunn on uh, expiring contracts this season. They're definitely going to have to pay, especially Petrangelo, a lot of money, right? And just getting rid of Allen's contract does do a lot for them, and uh, hopefully retaining at least one of those two, and then. Although I know Jordan Bennington's received a lot of criticism this year and he, I, he probably wants to, he wishes that he had a better postseason, but he still has a, he's still at a nine twelve save percentage this year. Like he wasn't, it's not like he was horrible and he's going to get run out of town and he's still like, he's still a younger goalie. He's 27 years old. Like there's, there's no denying that Bennington could kind of have a resurgence next year and be that number one for St. Louis. 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely going to be an eye, something to keep an eye on uh, is is the Blues backup situation. I think that's definitely one of the most intriguing things about this whole ordeal. But before I really get into it, I want to go to Josh. Uh, Josh, what do you think about the whole the whole trade situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the main criticism of this trade I've heard from Montreal's side is, you know, not only do you have Jake Allen making four mil this year, but Price's actual salary this next season is fifteen million dollars. And 20 million in explicit salary wrapped up in two goalies, um, which, yeah, in and of itself is not great. Allen's only got one year left on his deal, the 2021 season. Then he's a free agent. And all you gave up effectively was a third round pick because you swapped sevenths with St. Louis, whatever. So you gave up a third round pick. Then Montreal, it wasn't even your own third round pick. You gave up Washington's third round pick. And you still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve picks in seven rounds in this draft. So it's not a loss at all for Montreal. I don't like this at all from St. Louis's side. Yes, the cap space, sure. But part of your job as a general manager is asset management. And Allen wasn't a cap dump. Allen is a great goalie. He was worth the money he was making. Yes, he's a luxury on your team because you have Bennington there who's going to take the majority of the starts, but you gave up a goalie who was in the 94th percentile for like friggin' everything this year, and all you got was a third-round pick for a guy who's been your goalie for seven, eight years. I think the Blues drafted him in like 2008. Like It, it just seems like... Uh, <laughs> Hell, I'd be pissed if I'm Jake Allen. All I fetched was a third-round pick. I'm going to go to Montreal and play my butt off next year behind the best goalie in the world. I think St. Louis lost big on this. I think considering the surplus of picks Montreal has, they could have at least gotten another pick out of it um, instead of just swapping sevens. Um, But it's been an interesting year in terms of asset management over in Missouri with massive extensions handed out to other defensemen while ignoring probably your two best defensemen that still need deals. And we're a month away from the off season. All right. So uh, for me, I'm, when I'm looking at this whole ordeal, um, I'm not entirely sure it's worth it from Montreal's perspective. I mean, yeah, uh, they definitely had their struggles this season and getting Jake Allen, another, you know, certainly very capable netminder to be your backup behind Carey Price is not a bad move. Um, but I think that there were better options that that they could have taken. Charlie Lindgren, uh, he was their backup this season. He had a, a, a 3.33 goals against average and a .888 save percentage in six games. I mean, obviously, you know, those are not great numbers. And, you know, from a 26-year-old goaltender, you're probably not going to see a whole lot more development. So I definitely don't think he's the answer at backup, but this is going to be a really rich free agent market in terms of goaltenders. There's going to be a lot of options around. And when you're looking at terms of salary that they're making, uh, Jake Allen's going to be bringing in, or he's going to be making uh, 4.35 on your cap. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty significant amount. And while, yeah, bringing in a backup goaltender is going to, you know, really help, like a, a really good backup goaltender is going to help take the weight off of Carey Price's shoulders, that's not enough. This team, when I'm looking at them, they need a lot more help than just goaltending, than a backup goaltender. They need a lot. They need to really look into improving their forward group. 
I think those draft picks would have been better used to, you know, go out and acquire a better forward. So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to get a better backup goaltender, but I think they probably could have gone into free agency and gotten someone better than Lindgren for a little bit cheaper. Maybe not necessarily a guy who's on Allen's level because Allen's could start if need be. If, if Price gets hurt, he's definitely not a bad guy to have as your starter. Um, I just I, Price doesn't have that history for me where I'm concerned about his health. So uh, I, I think I'd rather have a, a slightly lesser backup and moving on from Lindgren than I would to uh, and, and you know and get one of those uh, better forward group instead. And I want to look at St. Louis's backup situation now, just real quick. They're in a situation where they have the other tools, where it would it would be highly beneficial to have that backup. So now you're moving on to. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to say his name right. Billy Husso. Uh, would, he's Billy Husso, yeah. Billy Husso. He is. Yeah. He's going to be your backup next year, at least the way things stand right now. And he had a, a solid year with the Rampage this year, a 2.56 goals against average and a .909 save percentage. So not bad numbers by any standards. But that's also playing in the AHL. And, you know, when you're playing in the NHL, you're playing much better talent. So we'll definitely see how well he does. He has yet to play in an NHL game. So, uh, you know, he still has a lot to prove uh, for the 25-year-old netminder. And, you know, there's definitely an opportunity for him there. Uh, but I don't think we can say for with confidence right now that he's going to be a really good backup for them. So it, it's, it's really a wait-and-see game at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I also – I totally agree with your sentiment. And, you know, Montreal needs help in other areas that aren't goaltending. They're more pressing um, as well. Right. But they're not done. And they have three or four other trade ships and Max Domi and uh, 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 Ben Sherratt and Phil Deneau now, apparently, that, you know, they still have options to improve. I mean, this isn't the one-and-done deal, and this is how they're going to look going into next season. Um, they're obviously at a point where Suzuki and Kotkaniemi need to be receiving the proper ice time. So it makes sense to me why either one or both of Dano and Domi would want out because they're not third and fourth line centers. Um, but you can move those talents, get lesser centers to fill out your third and fourth lines and use those trades and your draft capital to improve on the wing. Um, so I totally agree with you. Now, that's something they need to do, but I think they have plenty of other chances throughout the next couple months to accomplish that. Yeah, no, but but... It does, and I get it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? You've got a guy in price who can start 50. All you need is an average backup. But... Yeah, no, and like I said, I mean, I am well aware this is not going to be what the roster looks like going into the next season. It's just more to me like – when I look at this move, I say you have other more pressing needs that I would have addressed first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this morning, actually, we got confirmation that Zdeno Chara is, in fact, returning to the Boston Bruins. Of course, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age, and a lot of people have questioned is his longevity. Is he going to be able to come back next year and continue to play the game? Is he going to retire? You know, it's definitely a weird year. So, with the Boston Bruins getting knocked out in the second round, uh, it, it's kind of a curious – aspect is just now looking at what he's going to do for next season and as of right now he has said that he would like to return he would like to take the ice with the Boston Bruins again next season 
Now, that said, he did just reach the end of a one-year deal to remain the captain of the Boston Bruins. Uh, so we, we would have to see him sign another contract this offseason. So, Nick, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, another fellow Bruins fan. So what's your take on Char sticking around in Beantown next year? Again, a little surprised that he – well, I'm not surprised he came out and said that he would like to return. But we were discussing this earlier. I'm not sure if it's in the Bruins' best interest to re-sign Chara, which is a real interesting scenario given how much he's provided to the city. He's the captain. And another thing, too, that like you could bring him back, but what if he's not one of your six best defensemen and he's your captain? You can't really scratch your captain or have him as an extra defenseman, right? So he kind of has to be in the lineup. And at some point next year, you have to question if he's in the Bruins uh, defense back there. If he is one of the Bruins, or if he's going to be one of the Bruins top six defensemen, that's going to give them the best chance to win a hockey game every night. When you got guys like Connor Clifton and Jeremy Lozon who are kind of rotating in and out in the playoffs, uh, only one of them is getting in. Are they going to be ready to able to take the next step and both be in the lineup next year, possibly on that third pair? And another thing you have to consider too, is that, it all seems but confirmed that Tory Krug is going to at least test the free agency market and probably go elsewhere given the Bruins cap situation. So the Bruins could be losing Chara and Krug next year in a series or after a year where they kind of underperformed. And that could be a problem for Boston given their lack of depth up front. And then it could be lack of depth on the back end too. Right. And, I don't know. It's tough to say whether he's going to be back. My money on him being back right now is probably more leaning toward no, which would be really interesting because if the Bruins say they don't want to re-up him, are other teams going to be interested in him? Probably not. I I don't think so. He'd probably want to retire a Boston Bruin or just kind of give it up after that. But then again, Char is not really the type of guy that's ever had that uh, give up and quit mentality. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something for sure. It's, it's something interesting to look at, and especially they have some younger guys who would be looking to get some ice time as well. They've got Erho Vakaninen and Jeremy Lozon, uh, both you know some significant prospects for them, especially Vakaninen being a former first round pick. And uh, you know, with with Char in the lineup, it's not necessarily a bad thing for next year because you know if he comes back and he's still you know one of your top six defensemen, that's great and all. But you also have to consider you've got these young guys who need the playing time; they need some experience. Uh, to come up and, you know, get their get their shot at making the NHL. And they really don't have a lot of other space in that lineup for error. Um, like you said, if Tory Krug does move on, that opens up one spot. We're also talking about two guys. So, uh, and you've also got John Moore. He hasn't been an NHL regular, but they're paying him like he should be, uh, as jo- uh, Josh and I discussed earlier. So that's definitely something that you need to consider is, you know, you're paying another defenseman almost $3 million a year to barely play in the NHL. And then you've got two young, potential young studs who could be the future of your defense who aren't getting playing time because there's just no room for them in the lineup. Uh, so it, it can be tough to develop those guys. You know, I love Char. I love what he's done for the city. I love what he's done for the team. He's been a great captain. He's been everything you need him to be throughout his career. Uh, but is it really the right move for him to come back with this team? Uh you know, if he if he decides to, you know, if he does lace it up with Boston next season, I'll be happy to see him take the ice. But I will just kind of question a little bit, like, a what if? Boston, you're right in the assessment that Boston doesn't need this guy anymore. 
Um, yes, they are transitioning to some of their younger talent, but they have captain material in Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. They have big voices in the room that can replace Chara's presence. So a locker room presence should not be of concern. But it is. Next year is going to be a very transformative and transitional year for this Bruins club. A lot of growing pains. Because you are. You're going to lose Krug. So who does that? You've got Grizzlick, who's a nice piece. I like him. I think he deserves more playing time than he's getting. You again have Lausanne, who I'm confident in, can handle consistent NHL minutes. Clifton as well. The Lausanne and Clifton, you know, I'm not too confident in anything above a consistent third pair role. Grizzlick, I can see playing in the top four and even top pairing if he's with McAvoy. Where does that leave Vakaninen? Like, is he ready to step into the top four? I, I can't I, honestly say that he's ready for it now, but he it said he's played a very significant role in Providence within the AHL, and he has mm-hmm. logged a couple of NHL games. So even if he's not quite NHL ready, he's not very far off. Right. It all depends on how the organization is going to view this 2021 season. Is it going to be one last stab at contending? Or is it going to be, we're going to take this year to begin the process of letting our young guys drive the ship, starting from the back end. Because you're going to evidently see guys like DeBrusque, Carson Coleman, Jack Studnika, and even maybe Trent Frederick step into bigger roles up front as they should. You don't need Joachim Nordstrom. You don't need Parlentolm on your team. Uh, I forget off the top of my head who else is free agents for them, but you shouldn't be adding it forward. Give your guys the money, especially in DeBrusque's case. He's an RFA. And let your young guys drive the shit. That's what I do, right? You need – if you want to contend with these guys in the future – you need to develop them properly. Um, and I think it does no use to anybody to let Vakanine and, and Stanika and the likes just simmer in the AHL for longer than they need to. I think they're ready. Um, I think most people would agree with me in saying that. Um, so again, if you're bringing Chara back on a league minimum one-year deal, with the expectation on both ends that he's not going to be the focal point of your defense anymore, then I'm okay with it. Because it's never a bad thing to have that guy in the locker room. But there's no way he should be starting next December or January whenever the NHL starts their 2021 season. There's no way he should be their top-pairing defenseman on opening night. Yeah, uh... I totally agree with what Josh said. When you look at, and what everyone said, when you look at the impact that Charles had over his career in Boston, it's undeniable that he's been one of their longest tenured leaders and a guy that every fans love, love to watch play. The fact that he's six foot nine is also something that's drawn in fans like me, just wondering how someone that big can be so, can have such a big impact on the game. But I, I tend to agree with Josh on this one. I think with you're losing Krug, so you might as well let your young guys develop. 
being more of a prospects guy, I think Erho back in nine and is definitely ready to see some NHL time. And I think what better year to do it than next season. I like Connor Clifton and Jeremy Lozon. Like you guys said, I don't think I'd see them being anything more than bottom six, uh, yeah, bottom six guys, but, or bottom pairing guys. But I think next season, if you can bring Char back on a, some people might want to bring Char back on a league minimum deal. And that's something that that's up for debate. But for me, I'd let both, I'd let your young guys develop. And that's practically all that everything else has practically been said by you guys. All right. So moving on to the next topic on our list today, we've got Michael Hutchinson, or as Josh is like to call him, Michael Clutchinson, that has really taken over net for the Colorado Avalanche with injuries to Francois and Grubauer. Uh, and he's done really well. They're, they're playing – they forced the game seven. So we're going to see Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche game seven. Fireworks should be great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so, Josh, I want to start with you on this. What do you think about uh, Michael Clutchinson? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I, I'm ready to be done with this guy. Uh, so, look, he – this is not a guy that's completely come out of nowhere. Um, he was a third round pick by the Bruins, um, ended up breaking into the NHL, uh, with the Winnipeg Jets when Andre Pavlich was nearing the end of his career. And he got consistent time there for about three years in a row. Um, in his first season, he actually was a pretty decent goalie, his first full NHL season. He started 36 games for Winnipeg in 14-15, uh, had a record of 21-10-5, save percentage, and finished eighth in Calder voting behind Aaron Ekblad, Mark Stone, Johnny Gaudreau, Philip Forsberg, John Klingberg, Mike Hoffman, and Kevin Hayes. Michael Hutchinson finished in Calder voting ahead of Anders Lee, Jake Allen, and Bo Horvat. Um, so this is not a guy that's completely come out of nowhere. But then you look at how he progressed. After his third season in Winnipeg, the writing was on the wall. He was not performing nearly as well as he had during his rookie year. Um, and by his fourth season in Winnipeg, he spent most of the time in the AHL, only got into three NHL games, um, and then only nine the next year split between Florida and Toronto. Um, and then coming into this season, due to a variety of cap constraints on Toronto's end, he was projected to be Toronto's full-time backup uh, and immediately exposed himself again as one of the worst goalies in the league. A 4-9-1 record, a pretty ghastly 886 save percentage, uh, a 273 quality start percentage, which uh, anything under 50% is viewed as bad. Um, so, you know, take what you want from that. Playoffs. Both of his starts have been quality starts. That's a 1.000 quality start percentage. Uh, 2-0 record, 9.38 save percentage. So this is not a situation where Colorado's going, okay, we got our third string in. We need to only be allowing 15 shots a game uh, and just letting the offense come to us when we can. I haven't noticed Colorado change that their style of play that much. 
Um, yes, they're sounder defensively, but they were going to need to do that anyways. That was not a Hutchinson's in, and now we have to do this. Um, Dallas was scoring five goals a game on them, which they should never, ever, ever have been doing. So maybe Hutchinson influenced that in a way, but interesting to see just how random all of it has been. I mean, this guy, this guy had done nothing this year. I mean, he did okay. He started one game for Colorado and only allowed one goal in the regular season. 944 save percent. So, like, across his games with Colorado, he's got, like, a high 930s or low 940s save percentage, which is just, yeah, it's three games, but still, the games count. Um, it's frustrating if you're a guy, if you're someone like Winnipeg or Toronto who's relied on this guy who had a decent future ahead of him in a pedigree and he couldn't get it together. Um, so I guess yay for Colorado that you've got a guy who appears to just, he's going to win these three games and hopefully you'll have one of your big goalies back. I don't have much else to say. As right. much as I dislike what he was doing in Toronto, it's always good to see someone break out in a different market. Um, Fridge just tweeted that Barzell's taking warm-ups for the Islanders. Good sign considering the potential stick-to-face injury he suffered in their last game. Uh, so, I don't know. By the time you guys are listening to that, maybe we'll know exactly what impact Barzell had on tonight's game. Yeah, because by the time we get around to getting this podcast out, this will come out Saturday morning. I'm looking at the schedule real quick. You'll give me one moment. So, the series could realistically end tonight recording on Thursday, so it could end in literally game starts in half an hour. Or we could be looking at this ending, you know, the, the night you're listening to this. So uh, we'll definitely see what happens there. But uh, Barzal coming back, definitely a huge boost for the Islanders in that game. Uh, so, Nick, we'll go to you, uh, back to you on this one. What do you think about Michael Hutchinson's performance in the last couple of games? I'm just repeating my answers here, but I was surprised. But to say that um, – I'm living in Winnipeg too right now. I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. So I know a fair amount about Michael Hutchinson and it is going back at least five years now, but he was that classic guy. Um, there's always like the saying where it's like the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town, or he was the backup goalie. That was the most popular guy in town. Cause he, um, him and uh, Andre Pavlik. Yeah. They were the duo in Winnipeg and it was when Winnipeg was where they are now struggling defensively. And Hutchinson would come in, and he did have pretty good numbers with the Jets. I know Josh, he said in his first year, um, he's looking now 21-10 and 10 with a 914 state percentage. Like That's a quality 38 games there that he had. Um, and then he kind of got flushed out of Winnipeg. His numbers did drop, but then when Connor Hellebuck started to emerge, uh, they kind of went with they uh, went with Hellebuck instead, and he, Hutchinson kind of left. Uh, he went to Florida after that, right? So... Uh, mm-hmm. And I love how you t- one thing too is like the random aspect in this that I'm sure if you're in Michael Hutchinson's shoes, like do you think he woke up um I guess yesterday, do you think he woke up thinking that six months ago or not now, like ten months ago, I was on the Toronto Maple Leafs as maybe a backup goalie, and now I'm in a position to 
start a game seven playoff game for the Colorado Avalanche against the Dallas Stars in Edmonton, Alberta. Like the, just the, think about like just how bizarre that even seems, right? So I don't know. I've Hutch has oh, always totally. had, and he's kind of always had that knack for that highlight reel save. We kind we saw that right hand glove come out uh, against Dallas in the first period. Uh, yet he's been playing great though for the Avs, and it's it may be a situation where Colorado they maybe did think like, oh crap, we have our third stringer in now, and now we really have to tighten up defensively. But then you look at or you watch the games and you look at his numbers, and you're right, Colorado didn't like tighten up defensively or they didn't like lock it down completely. He faced 65 shots in those, in those, uh, or he's faced 65 shots. Um, he's played two and a bit games now. Right. So it's not like he's facing those shots, save 61 of them for a 938 save percentage. And he's a huge reason why Colorado's still fighting today. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see it as someone who I didn't have anything against him in Winnipeg when he was here. Um, like he's probably not a starting goalie in the NHL. I think we've all, we all know that, but it's 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 a really fascinating story to see Michael Hutchinson in 2020 winning playoff games. Yeah, like both of Josh and Nick said, surprise. Um, if you would have told me at the start of the year that Michael Hutchinson would be starting a playoff game, I'd be like, you're full of, you're out of your mind. Um, I was happy when we acquired him from Florida. I thought it was a great pickup considering we had just let go of McElhaney. I was disappointed in us letting him go because he is a quality backup goaltender. And I was hoping at the start of the season that he would be able to come in and win some games when Anderson was not on the top of his game, but that never worked out. Um, I'm happy to see him getting a chance in Colorado. You look at how he's played these last two games and it's, I don't, it's not the normal Michael Hutchinson. He did have a great rookie season, like they meant, like you guys just mentioned in Winnipeg. But no one, no one expected this. He's a guy that is an AHL start or a fringe NHL backup on a normal day. And yeah, I'm happy to see. Like, I really want Colorado to go far. I really enjoy everyone on their team. They're a great hockey team, and they all play well together. But I, I don't know. I'm just. Like Josh said before he started, he's I'm tired of Michael Hutchinson. I'm I'm glad he left the Leafs organization because he wasn't really doing anything for us, even down on the Marlies. I don't think he did too well. And he was taking time away from letting some of our prospects develop. So at the end of the day, I'm happy for him. Hopefully he can prove himself in another hopefully he can get another NHL job out of this. But I'm glad that he's out out of the Leafs organization and playing somewhere else. Um, so looking at what Hutchinson's done, it's kind of had a lot of shock value. No one really saw this coming uh, when Francois and Grubauer both went down. You kind of got to think like goal, the goaltending situation, they're, they're in dire need of some help there because the defense, while it hasn't been bad, it's definitely not Colorado's strongest asset. So they need someone strong in net who can kind of play in front of a not a great defense and make those incredible saves. So, yeah, I just think uh, overall, looking at what Colorado's done with Hutchinson and that, it's really impressive. I mean, he only let in one goal on, on 28 shots last game. So, if he can repeat, he has a really good chance of pushing Colorado to the next round of the playoffs. Um, so, that said, we got some big news coming up. Sean Couturier uh, is, in fact, not playing tonight. Um, so, that, that's going to kind of throw a wedge into Philly's plans. As of right now, Philly needs 
to win tonight or they will be eliminated. Uh, so, of course, by the time you're hearing this, we'll know by, we'll know by then. But, uh, you know, game starts in 20 minutes. So, Josh, I want to start with you on this one. Do you think the Flyers stand a chance of forcing a game seven in the series? Uh, it's a disappointment if they don't. You're not letting this guy go home. You're not letting Lindblom go home after coming back to play one game. That isn't happening. Um, it's a story that's played out time and time again in the NHL. You saw what Montreal was able to do when they were playing for Claude Julien after his heart issues. Um, the types of runs that teams have been able to go on when they're really able to be inspired by one of their players around story. Um, it's going to be a really incredible night for Lindblom. It's going to be a really incredible night for that team. Um, and I just don't see any way in which the Islanders can pull this off. Um, to be honest, yeah, I've, I've been rooting for the Islanders this series, but as, as a normal per like any human being, you, you were definitely following, if you're a hockey fan, you were definitely following along with the whole Lindblom thing and hoping for the best. And I was reading a quote the other day on Twitter that mentioned that someone, when they watched him go for warm-ups, they got goosebumps. And I think the collective around the team and just eight months after he was diagnosed with cancer that he's back out on the ice, it, it adds a whole other dynamic. The guys want to play. He's one of that. He's one of them. They, another guy mentioned that he's like a brother to him and he just wants to go out there and make him forget about his, his cancer diagnosis for one night and just go out there and be able to play hockey and just go back to being able to just love the game and play it as an NHL player. And I think the Flyers as a whole are just going to go out there. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to force a game seven just because of the whole dynamic that Limblom being back and kicking cancer's butt brings to the team. Yeah, I definitely agree that there's momentum for Philly going into this game now with Limblom in and just everything he brings just with the adversity he's dealt with this past uh, year and, finally getting back into the lineup and playing with his teammates again. I'm, I'm still going with the Islanders in game six. Um, one stat I wanted to bring up. So the Islanders, they are, uh, they're 10 and three in the bubble right now. So they've lost three games right. coming off those three losses. They are three and O with a combined 12 to two score. So very, and when you, Factor in that that's a Barry Trotz coach team. I don't think that's coincidence. I think Trotz knows how to get them going after a loss. He knows how to get the most out of this roster to begin with anyways. Like, realistically, I don't know if this roster has anything really doing or any business do or being here, right, against Philadelphia. But um, I like New York to bounce back in this game. It, I did say this. I, I thought this before Lindblom came in. I mean, I, I, I would love to see him score a goal. I, I don't really have uh, any preference on who wins this game. I almost kind of want Philadelphia to win now, just with the whole Oscar Lindholm effect now. Um, but I still think my head says to take the Islanders today to close out uh, the series and for the third time in a row on their second try. Yeah, no, I will say that with Corturi out, it makes things a little bit more difficult for the Flyers to try and beat this team in the Islanders play that great defensive game. So losing one of your top six forwards, is it's really going to hurt. So uh, I'll, I'm not going to get too much into this because you guys have said it all already, but I, I like the Islanders to 
kind of seal the deal tonight and end the series in six. Uh, so with that said, uh, Florida Panthers hired their new GM, uh, Dale Talon, of course, out as out of Florida. Uh, and they've hired the former Blue Jackets vice president, Bill Zito, as their new general manager. So, uh, Nick, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think of the hiring? Yeah, I was, again, a little surprised. I know that it kind of was expected that they're going to move on from Dale Talon, uh, especially with his allegation pending now, or about those racist comments that he allegedly used inside the bubble. Um, but I guess Flora's so, sort of in a need for just kind of changing it up, right? Like, they had... Talon didn't – well, they have, they have what, Barkov, Hoffman, Huberto, Dadunov. They have all these skilled forwards, right. and they brought in they – they made a huge splash last offseason bringing in Sergei Bobrovsky, and it just hasn't really worked out with this team yet. Like, I, don't, I can't even recall their last playoff series win. I know they – I think they've made it to the playoffs, counting this year, only twice in the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. I can remember a New Jersey series a while ago, but they I remember they lost that series too. And the Islanders, they played the Islanders too, so that would be their – third time in the last 10 years. So um, they were kind of forced their hand this year with what's been going on with Talon. Um, and it, I don't know what they're even going to do this offseason too. That's another thing too. They have to kind of, they don't have much time. There's not much turnaround to even discuss this, right? Like with Zito in now, they right. they really have to get to this quick. So I commend the Panthers for actually kind of making a big change and I don't know, maybe he has the guts to do something with Bobrovsky, even if it's going to be a painful-looking whatever it is, painful-looking trade, yeah. buy it, well, whatever. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that, right? Yeah, I like the hiring. Um, I was talking with a guy that I know who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he liked, he likes what – he loved what he brought to the Blue Jackets organization. Um, everything that he did was something that Jarmo Kekalainen was – although he had a voice in it was kind of his decision-making as well. And he, he brought in an aspect to the organization that helped them through many years. Many people thought the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to be obscure a bunch of years, but like their playoff run last year, they proved to be a a team that um, was really solid and that could do some damage. And just looking at what his whole career, he started out as a sports agent and he represented some guys such as Tim Thomas, Tuka Rask, Antony Niemi, and Brian Rafalski. Um, and then he also negotiated several uh, president-setting contracts, such as uh, the six-year $38 million deal that Kimo, Kimo Tiemann signed in 2007, and an eight-year $56 million deal for Tuka Rask in 2013. And then he went on to join the Blue Jackets in August 2013. So I think not many general managers have that aspect of – having have experience such as a sports agent and on the management side. So I think he'll bring an interesting dynamic to that. Um, me personally, I don't know too much on him. Just looking at that, I just brought, got that off the internet, but yeah, I'm excited. I think the old talent, I don't really like him as proven with his racist comments that, that he allegedly said in the bubble. I think it was time for the Panthers to move on from him and started start fresh. Yeah, for sure. And I will say there have been some high expectations in Florida. Uh, you know, when you have guys like Barkov, Ekblad, Huberdeau, and they're all signed to relatively team-friendly deals, uh, you, you need to win because they're all tremendously talented players. Uh, and the fact that they haven't been able to put together, you know, the supporting cast around him, uh, their talent has not been able to put together the supporting cast around them to win a title by now, it's got, or even a winner, just a team that can consistently make the playoffs 
it's kind of disappointing from that perspective. So not too surprised to see Talon gone, and uh, we'll definitely have to wait and see what Zito brings to the table. So, Josh, let's go to you. Uh, what do you think about this hiring? Sure. There are a bunch of candidates for you, right? Like, I – there was no real clear winner to me. Um, there was Zito. There was Mike Gillis. There was uh, – well, Peter Shirelli. I know people were mentioning Shirelli. I'm not even going to entertain that. I don't want to mention his name ever again in an NHL role, hopefully. Um, I know people have been talking about Eddie Olchek getting in for a while. I'm not sure what he would have brought, but, I mean, it would have been interesting to see at least. Uh, same with Kevin Weeks. I would have really liked to have seen him get the job. Um, uh, Bill Armstrong in the Blues also getting a couple nods. Um, again, sure. I don't think the move is great. I think it's a good move. You also had five other good moves you could have done. Like, I, I don't – I'm not so sure that there's a whole lot to unpack here. You're going to get the same thing out of him that you would have gotten out of the other guys you interviewed, I think. Um, hopefully they picked the right one. I have very little confidence in the Panthers to ever do anything like that, but hopefully for the sake of that team, they got it right this time. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it's been a struggling franchise, struggled to bring in fans, attendance has struggled and real cheap tickets. So if you're looking, if you're ever in Florida looking for a, looking for a hockey game, you know where to go. You can get Florida Panthers tickets real cheap down there. Uh, so uh, let's move on to the next thing on our list or the last thing on our list. Uh, Freddie Anderson, the Toronto Maple Leafs netminder, there have been a lot of trade rumors surrounding him recently uh, coming out. And when you consider the salary cap situation that that franchise is in at the moment, it's going to be tough for them to bring back a lot of guys. And so if they can get rid of Anderson, you know, it helps clear up some cap space. So, uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. Do you think that uh, there's some truth to these rumors that Freddie Anderson could be gone in the near future? Yeah, I, I actually do believe that, there, that these rumors could be true because – um, I read something on Twitter today that um, I think Anderson, Anderson Dajan or something um, told Anderson to be prepared to not start the season in Toronto. Um, he does has one year remaining on his deal. And I think the entire Toronto fan base is kind of, it's, it's mixed emotions just because Anderson has been great at times, but we remember all the times that he's been subpar and like he played it. He had an amazing playoff series um, against in the bubble and he's been a solid goaltender these past few years. And it's been some, if you were to ask any fan, I'd, I'm sure they'd much rather have him over Jonathan Bernier, but at the end of the day, our fan base wants to win. And with him and net, we haven't been able to get past the first round. And I think some people want to change. He's going to command big money. He's he signed a five-year $25 million deal back when we acquired him. And I think, there's going to, even if he were to hit the open market, we wouldn't be able to afford him. I think it's best if you want to move on from him, that you traded him now and gain some valuable assets back in net. The thing that I wouldn't, I'd be panicked. I'd be panicking about is we don't really have anyone else to be able to step into that starters role right now, unless you go and get someone via trade or something like that. You look at our goaltending prospects and we're pretty thin. I mean, Joseph wall is someone that, has some promise, but he still needs to develop. He had a, he struggled his first season in the AHL. 
then Ian Scott coming off of hip, hip surgery hasn't played in an entire year. You don't know where he stands. He's probably going to have to start out the year in the ECHO with the Newfoundland Growlers. You got someone like Kas- Kasimir Kaskisuo is just, he's not an NHL starter. In the one game he played in Pittsburgh, it was absolutely disastrous. So yeah. I'd that be happy seems to- like forever ago. Yeah. I just, I think with Anderson, he's been, like I said, he's been a really solid goaltender. I've really liked him in the net. He provided that confidence that when I was watching with Bernie, I'd be like, oh God, is this shot going to go in? Is the shot going to be safe? Anderson provided fans and I'm assuming the players as well with the confidence that every game he's going to go out there and try his best. But there's been games where I've been like, man, get this guy out of the net. I, I don't, I don't want him here. So looking at both sides, there are some positives. I would miss Anderson in that, but I think if you're able to go out there and sign someone in free agency, like a Darcy Kemp or someone, someone who's a great goaltender who'd probably be cheaper than 7 million or something that Anderson would get next year. It's something that the Leafs should definitely look into. I really liked the Kapanen trade. That was your one trade where you get to make the trade for value and not necessarily to make your team better. Toronto's still a contender. They need to go into next season like they're a contender. This prospective Anderson trade cannot be a cap dump. This needs to be a hockey trade for the Maple Leafs. Uh, And whether that means maybe you're giving Andreas Janssen up in the same deal. Look, the team that he has been rumored to go to, for the most part, is Carolina. If you can swing a trade where in some capacity you are trading Anderson and um, Johnson to the Hurricanes, package deal, and with that, you can pry Dougie Hamilton out of Carolina. I think that's a realistic expectation. I think it's something that's doable, especially given that you now have a first-round pick again. It's a trade that immediately improves your team because then you have the chunk of change still sitting there from the Kapanen deal that you would be able to use to go get yourself a goalie in free agency, like a Cam Talbot or an, um, even an Anton Kudobin, who's going to be probably be better than the goalie you'd be getting back from Carolina, which is probably Reimer. Um, so I think you make that deal of your Toronto, right? Do something to say, we're serious about this. We're going to contend next year. Uh, and we want to put this team in a position to succeed. Um, so I think it would be a smart move by Dubas. Um, I'm looking forward to see what happens. If I could add in one more thing, I completely forgot about Jack Campbell, another guy that's a solid backup at times, but someone who's definitely not a starting goaltender. And if you were to trade Anderson, like you just mentioned, would you realistically, you think realistically that we could get Hamilton back? In a sense. I mean, you're giving up Janssen, um, and you're probably giving up the first-round pick. But I do think there's a scenario in which you could get Dougie Hamilton out of Carolina. 
And as you just mentioned, Matt, uh, Jack Campbell, he did just sign a two-year extension worth uh, 1.65 a year. So he'll be around for two years. He's more a great years. backup. That makes the most sense if they're going to do it. But I, I think back to even, like, exhausting this trade, really. Like, I don't know, from my uh, view, like, and I'm not I, – I don't really cheer for the Leafs. I never have, but – I've always respected Freddie Anderson, and I thought he's he's kind of been at times their backbone when their big their big boys weren't really pulling their weights, especially in the playoffs there for a bit. I know in the game sevens he hasn't really been great against Boston, but I, I still I don't know. Toronto has to make a big change. I'm not sure if it's him. I look the the kind of the cliche answer has kind of been more uh, Nylander up front, even Marner. I would probably look there first to improving your back end which I think is doable too. If you're looking at someone like Dougie Hamilton, you're going to package it maybe with Janssen, a first round pick. But it is a good point that Anderson's contract is expiring in two years, as is, as is our, after next season, as is Dougie Hamilton's. So it's kind of a matter of, it could be if you want to pull off that trade, whether you do think you have a better chance at retaining Dougie Hamilton or using that money to retain Dougie Hamilton or Freddie Anderson. And just pretty much based on the history of hockey, I would elect to choose a goaltender before a defenseman too. And Dougie does have a lot of offense in his game too. Um, so another thing too is that Jake Muzzin's probably going to be back too. And I know Toronto's kind of been throttled for their lack of playoffs, playoff success, but if Jake Muzzin's in that series against Columbus, it could be a different outcome too, right? So I am a little surprised that this is, even something that is being discussed. I do think Carolina makes sense Is it, if it is a realistic possibility. I also think one name that hasn't been brought up is uh, Robin Lehner is a free agent too. He's going to demand a lot more yeah. money. But if Toronto really wants to have that top-tier goalie where they know what they're getting, they're getting a stud. And he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was of Toronto, I believe, for about five minutes this year before he was uh, flipped to Vegas, right? He was, yeah. So... I'm not sure if that means that Toronto even has interest in him. I'm sure they do just because he's Robin Lehner. But there's also that possibility, too, that if Toronto really does want to fix their goalie situation for a concrete fix, it could be Robin Lehner in free agency if they if Dubas thinks he can pull off a trade and then go ahead and sign Lehner. Well, in that case, you're not getting – you're not pulling a Hamilton. I mean, you yeah. can maybe trade Anderson and Yance in the Carolina and get someone with a lesser cap hit back like a uh, Joel Edmondson, who I know can play right if need be, or even Brett Pesci, who is on a relatively affordable deal after a down year. Um, yep. I think uh, maybe. Yeah, just the guys you're mentioning, Edmondson, he, his, his deal's expiring, so he's probably not going to happen. Uh, the only one I could see realistic, All right. realistically happening is probably like maybe you could swing a Hayden Flurry. But even then, that's probably. But he's got massive potential, though. What's yeah. Pesci's cap hit at? Uh, Pesci's at just over four, four point oh two. Yeah. yeah. So you could swing that. And Hamilton's in the five and six, right? Uh, five point seven five. Yeah. Yeah, Hamilton's five point seven five. Okay. So I think I, you know, if you can dump Anderson and Janssen, swing Pesci, Leonard would be willing to take less for term. Hmm. Um, Going. Going back to this question we had kind of over Dougie Hamilton or Frederick Anderson, who's going to get more money on the next contract? 
Hamilton. Dougie. Dougie? Yeah. 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 Dougie Hamilton. He's, he's a defenseman who can play in both ends. I mean, in, he's 27, so he's, he's a little bit younger than Freddie. Plus, goalies don't tend to really get paid what the skaters do, so uh, Dougie definitely has Nor should they. Right. Um, so you can get it. How old is Pesci? Is he 26? Pesci is 25. 25. Jeez. Okay, you're getting a young D. Then you can go out and sign Leonard to a six-year deal. Free agency. I think they'd have to make a lot work, though, to get Laner. Yeah, because Leonard's, Leonard's going to ask for a lot of money. He's going to ask for what Anderson's making now minimum. That's $5 million a year. So I think he I, takes I less higher. than that if you're willing to give him a really? lot of terms. Yeah, really. He really do, he does value it that much. That's true, and, uh, and he hasn't it de- had a. It depends on what it depends on what Vegas is going to offer him, because he wants to stay there. Yeah, he wherever wants to stay in Vegas. wherever he signs, he wants to stay long term because Leonard really hasn't had a long term home. Like he spent, you know, a while in Ottawa. He spent a few years in Buffalo, and since leaving Buffalo, he's just bounced around a bit. So he's definitely yeah. going to want to yeah, find. Yeah, he's tired of moving his family around. Um. So. He wants to stay in Vegas. Vegas is going to be in tough to retain him unless they're going to make a huge deal, ship Flurry out, which if I'm Mick Kerman, I'd do. Um, What's Flurry's value right now? That's kind of interesting. Not a lot. He's yeah. a, he'd not be a with short the way term, he's played. A short term possible. Not effects, with the way yeah. he's played, and especially not at that cap hit. But is, he, is he worth a risk? Flurry? Yeah. I, I, no. I never even thought about that possibility. Not at that cap hit. Vegas needs to do everything. How, how, Brandon, can you look up how I'm many years? I'm looking it up right now. All right, so Flurry's making two seven mil a year for DI. He's got two seasons left. So maybe if you can convince uh, Vegas to retain half on a trade that would they bring They won't him do in. that. I, I don't think it's realistic either, but if you could find a deal where they would retain half to get rid of him and keep, you know, and keep so they can hold on to Leonard. I think that's probably the only way, realistic way you can get yeah. Flurry in, just because he's ma- he's making way too much money to fit in with the already short uh, supply salary cap that Toronto's got. Flurry's got a no trade. No, I wasn't. Too. I wasn't saying Toronto wants Flurry. No, no. Oh. oh, I was just saying that Vegas. That that's a smart move from Vegas's part if yeah. they want oh, yeah. to keep Leonard, is to try and find a way to move on from Flurry. Yeah. No, I. I Toronto should kill it with fire. Yeah. I don't know. Two years of Flurry. Flurry is not better it's, than Anderson. But see, here's That's the thing. Yeah. Here's here's my thing though. So you look at Flurry when he was getting pushed out by Matt Murray. He wasn't that good, but then he came to Vegas and he played the lights out. He took that helped take that team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Granted, they lost to the Capitals in five games, but taking an expansion team to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year of existence, you can't just discount that. And Flurry didn't play poorly either. He had a decent year. So, you know, maybe another change of scenery. Playing behind an amazing defense. Playing behind an amazing defense in Vegas, even from year one and that he was three years younger. He's what, 37? He's 35. 35. So two more years. Yeah, I I think you could get two more years out of him if he can, you know, flip a switch with with a little relocation. I think you could get him to turn turn up the heat. 927 is first year of Vegas. Yeah, incredible. He sub 900 in the playoffs. Yeah, that's another thing, too. That'd be a tough sell for Toronto. You haven't had playoff success, so here's Mark Andre Fleury. 
Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, Flurry, people's perception of him is really skewed by a few great years. And yeah, overall, he's a pretty good goalie, but there have been plenty of years where he was a big reason why Pittsburgh lost in the opening round. Um, he's had some poor performances. There was one year where friggin' Tomas Vokun got ahead of him in playoff starts because Flurry wasn't. Um, so I, I don't think it's a smart move. Leonard is an upgrade. You need to be upgrading in a position if you're shipping Anderson out. Yeah. If you're going to downgrade at goalie, you need to upgrade at another position. And there's no way to do that with Vegas while acquiring Flurry, realistically. I just, going back to Pesci, I think that's a guy that's very underrated in this league and who would be someone who, if you package a Janssen and a Anderson, who could be a realistic target to get. And I've heard a bunch of rumors as well that the Leafs are going to make a big run at Radko Gudis, try and sign him. Um, yeah. I think that's some someone that I'd love to see him in a Leafs uniform just because of the way he plays. We need a lot. I, I Muzzin's one of the only guys that's physical on our team. The other guys don't hit as well. Clifford's a guy that I don't really, I don't really care if he comes back. But if you can bring in a guy like Gudis, I think you you upgrade the defense for sure. Not at a big cost either. I really like Anderson. I've going back on to what I said, he's had really solid seasons in Toronto. I just think with what he's going to command next year, if we can flip him to better our team now, then you have to do it because Riley's contract and he's going to get paid like a number one defenseman. You got guys like in a few years down the road, you're still going to need the cap hit guys, your, your major stars depends on if you trade them or not. If you want to go for a big fish, in free agency, you need to have that cap hit available. And I think that's the only reason why I'd entertain an Anderson trade. The only, I would not want to trade Anderson and then go into the season with a Cam Talbot or a guy like that because I would have a lot less confidence in a Cam Talbot than I would in Anderson. It's just... Right. It's As would I. But if moving on from Anderson, outside. if moving on from Anderson means you're rolling with Muzzin Pesci, Riley Dermott and Letton and Gudis. Sign me up. I'd yeah. love to see that. Yeah. That will be the best blue line these guys have had in years. But it's you, the last time they want a playoff series. Yeah. Pesci's but, value is low right now. Yeah. But then we'd have subpar goaltending at best. And goaltending is Yeah. Well, I don't I wouldn't say Talbot is subpar. He's a downgrade from Anderson. He's shown this year that he can still do it if he wants to. Um, I'd rather go for Kadobin. I don't agree with Josh. I think if you're looking at free agent goalies that are realistically affordable for Toronto, Kadobin's the best guy, best option you've got. I think if what they could do is if they could pull off the Reimer and Hamilton for Anderson with with uh, Carolina, and then you bring in Kudobin as a free agent goaltender, I think you know if you split them pretty evenly, I think you've got a solid combo there. But Campbell's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying Campbell's fine. I'm not saying Campbell's necessarily bad, but you you're not going to tell me that having Reimer and Kudobin wouldn't be an upgrade from Campbell. No, I would say that's not an upgrade. I'd say Campbell's better than Reimer. Yeah, I'm not sold on James Reimer either. All right. Yeah, I I 
3.4 mil for them or two. Okay. Yeah. yeah, with that cap hit, yeah. It's a little yeah. Campbell's cost-effective. He'll be able to put up at least a 9.15. All right. I think Campbell's Campbell would be able to be that's – that's a risk. But it's That'd be it. sick. Because Campbell, Campbell's ready to start 35 games. Either way, opinion. either way, you have to split 35 He did it with friggin' L.A., dude. Yeah. Either way, you you have you have to split the if you sign Kudobin, you have to split their time pretty evenly, just because neither one of them I can really see stepping out as a true number one goalie. Both of them are at best a one B. Well, neither did I, but Kudobin's Kudobin's run with it in the playoffs. Yeah, he but hasn't we, been what's holding Dallas back. But we've seen goalies get hot before, and it, it can be a fluke at times. I'm not saying that Kudobin can't be good in the regular season because, from my experience with Boston, he was a he was a great backup for us. But at the same time, like I just I, I do have concerns about keeping him as your starter long term. Well, yeah, for sure, and you wouldn't want to keep him long term. You wouldn't want to keep him for more than a couple of years. He's getting older. Um, But if you're doing like a, a, you're giving Kadobin like in the high forties in terms of starts, and Campbell around thirty five. I mean, I'm just thinking about this like there really is no easy solution to Toronto's cap situation and their goalie situation because you're going to lose Anderson in two years either way. And when you've got the Austin Matthews, the John Tavares, the Mitch Marner contracts, uh, and the Will Nylander, all of them are through 2024 at the, at the earliest. Or 2024-25 season at the earliest. So this is not a situation that's going to go away anytime soon, barring a trade of one of those four. For sure. If I'm looking at, I know a lot of people have mentioned the big four and how it's $40 million in four guys, but you got, you look at the Nylander contract. Now that's a solid contract. He's I only agree. Getting, great contract. I agree that the Nylander contract is great, but the problem is it just, I shouldn't say necessarily a problem. It's just, it's, it's up there still. It's, it's a big hit on a team that really can't afford another one. You take, you take into consideration the fact that you are paying 11 plus million dollars to three of your players. And that's if I'm considering trading a Ford, I, a lot of people are mentioning trading Nylander and I'm, I, I trade Marner before Nylander. Nylander had an awesome season and at the cap hit that he's been playing at, he's a guy that I'd want to keep and touching back off of what you said, Josh, the, the Riley, Dermot, Muzzin, Gudis, Lettinen, and who was the other one that you mentioned? Uh, Pesci. Pesci. Um, that's someone I, – I love that defense, but I'm also all about letting Sandin get some NHL time because down on the Marlies, going to a lot of – a bunch of games, he's, he's ready for the NHL. And I don't, I don't want him sitting in the press box. I want him getting NHL time. I want him to develop and – yeah, you look at the defense. I'd I'd sign me like I'd sign up for that defense any day of the week. But I'd also be hesitant to. I'd I'd be upset that guys like Standing and Lilligren aren't getting valuable ice time on, at the in the in the NHL. Now I've seen I've seen some ridiculous takes on Twitter with the draft and everything, yeah. and some people have mentioned taking uh, Askarov with number fifteen if he's still available. I don't think he will be, but if that's something that the Leafs could, would entertain if he's still available, then you definitely get your uh, number one potential starter, but you have to wait a few years for him. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for 
episode eight of the Throne Haymakers podcast. Nick, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a good time having you on this week, uh, and hopefully you'll get to, you'll come back and join us again sometime soon. So, uh, like I said, that does it for episode eight of the Throne Haymakers podcast. And make sure to tune again, tune in again next week. <laughs>